Welcome to the CSL Olympia podcast. In this episode, you will hear an opening prayer, followed by a talk. You can learn more about us at our website, cslolympia.org. Blessings. Sweet, sweet spirit, infinite presence, source of all that is, abounding with insights, inspiration, joy, love. Ah, in my mind's eye, I look around and I take in the wonder of the earth, of nature, of my home. Each of us spins in infinity. Each of us channeling source, infinite possibility. I know I am one with divine mind, one with all that is. In this oneness, I see my soul and my spirit rise. Life is ripening. I see the universe opening up for each of us as we step through into greater lavishness. Ah, hearts, souls, and arms wide open. We are each co-creators of our experiences. I feel divine energy flowing effortlessly as insights, inspiration, love, and joy. I accept all this as natural. All good shows up for each of us as each of us. Divine potential is bigger than any problem. And right now, each of us is manifesting divine mind's finest creation. I know that as an expression of life, each of us is energized by the same power that stimulates the ebb and flow of the waves on the shore. The same power that holds those birds in flight and that same force that urges those seeds to spread their roots to become their full expression, their essence. We are each a powerful being, deserving of all the bounty of the universe. Yes, I allow, I accept, I receive. And so I know the words spoken today, they inspire. The music is joy. And our gathering is love and insights. I am in deep gratitude for our being here in this divine space. Each of us manifesting possibility come to life. And I release this into the spiritual law that is always working. It expresses naturally and eternally. The life principle manifests as me, as us, in every moment. And together we say, and so it is. So this whole year, we're working with a talk theme that's called A Grand Rising. 
That's what we're inviting in for ourselves, is a grand rising, something greater than we've ever been before. And we, we looked at that last week, um, or last month, excuse me, as our talk topic. And what I find is whenever we start to do a grand rising, and, and the song referred to it, is stuff comes up. Anybody besides me ever notice that? You know, you start to go for something really good and stuff comes up. So this month we're looking at the theme of divine discomfort. And half of you, when I said that uh, a month ago that we were going to be looking at that this month, said, I'm not sure I want to come to church for the next month, <laughs> center for the next month. But, but, you know, thank you for being here anyways. And so our, our topic today is pain pushes until vision pulls. Pain pushes until vision pulls. This is a short, shortened version of a uh, saying that, that Dr. Michael Beckwith has, that's, that uh, we are pushed by pain until we are pulled by a vision. And he also says, uh, not all pain is negative, even though we label all forms of pain as such and resist them. Anybody besides me resist your pain? And I'm talking about physical and emotional pain. Yeah. He says, positive negativity is a circumstance that causes us to go deeper, to search ourselves, to stop placing blame on the causes of suffering outside of ourselves and take self-responsibility. Isn't that an interesting idea? Positive negativity. Pain is a motivator. Pain becoming a good thing. Something that shifts us into something more. When we experience pain, it serves as a pushing or motivating force that calls us to seek relief, yes, or improvement, something to do. So pain can be a call, can be an alarm bell, bing, ding, ding, that something needs changing or shifting. Yes? You know, if we got a pain in the body, you know, it's, it's like we, we, you know, we go to somebody or that knows more than we do about our bodies and says, you know, what's going on? I need to shift something. The same thing when we have pain in an emotional situation, when we have pain in a relationship. So we notice that we need, we're, uh, that we're facing challenges or obstacles that need our attention, that need to be addressed. We get stuff up. We love to think that we'll just naturally and easily flow into our highest good. But if we're honest, most of us go kicking and screaming down the path of life, the path of transformation. Most of us need the two-by-four because we don't pay attention to the whisper and the nudge that came before. Anybody besides me relate? To, okay, yeah. You, yeah, you don't have to raise them real high. Many of us found ourselves walking into a center like this due to, well, discomfort. Yes? Divine, or seemingly otherwise, discomfort. Whether outer or inner, and this is the blessing of pain as it motivates us to do something different, to try something different, to say, I need to be something different than I have been being. And we have to grow and expand to move beyond it. So the circumstances often stay the same. They may not change. You know, our, our, our marriage that ended is still ended. You know, the person who died is still dead. The, the physical stuff we have in our body is still happening in our body. But we expand to incorporate that loss. We expand to, to face it differently. It becomes a part of who we are now. Sort of like when you look at a tree that has lost a major branch, 
it adapts and it becomes, that just becomes the new part of what the tree is, how the tree is being. So we develop and deepen in our resilience. We become better than we were before. Instead of trying to bounce back or get back to how it used to be, we bounce forward. We move forward into something new, into a newness. And since change and challenge and increasing complexity is the nature of life, have you noticed? Change, challenge, and increasing complexity. We need to develop resilience and flexibility to serve the flow of life rather than being capsized and sunk. You know, every morning I do a, uh, a series of stretching exercises for my body because I know if I don't, it will just get more and more rigid as I go along. And so I open it up and expand it. You know, I know some of you do yoga or tai chi or other processes of, of stretching that. That's that flexibility. We, we practice that flexibility. You know, the good news, that, that, that flow that we're surfing is always taking us towards something higher and better. The soul, the capital S soul, is always evolving towards a greater awareness and a greater expression of itself, its own nature, and its own nature is good. And it's a good beyond our idea of good bad. As I quoted from Ernest Holmes last week, our suffering is of no consequence to the evolving soul. Breathe for a moment. Now that sounds cruel. That sounds, you know, like, eh, whatever. But it's not. What it really means is that when we reach the new height, the journey becomes irrelevant. Even all, with all of its difficulties, it no longer matters. When we finally land the new job, when we finally land the new love, when we finally return to health after a long illness, we rejoice in the new place in the journey that we are now. And we kind of forget about the process of getting there. Or at least it's minimized. There's a, a lovely Zen saying that says, the fisherman uses the net to catch the fish. But when she catches the fish, she discards the net and keeps the fish. So many of us get focused on, you know, we're, fisher, we're fishermen, fisherwomen, we're fishing. But instead of focusing on the fish, we focus on, let's make a better net. Oh, let's make a stronger net. Focus on the net instead of forget, and forget about what we're really after, the fish. Yes? And so we let go of the process. We simply see it for what it was. It was the vehicle that transported us to new ground. It was a journey that we had to take in order to get to where we were. Almost, almost every successful person has had to go through the pain of failure and setback. You know, Michael Jordan, everybody know who Michael Jordan is? Yeah, yeah okay. He got cut, in his sophomore year in high school, he got cut from the varsity team. He was put back in the JV team. Walt Disney was fired from his first job for, by the Kansas City Star uh, as a cartoonist he was fired because he had no imagination and didn't have any good ideas, according to the editor of the, of the newspaper. <laughs> yes? <clears throat> we have a choice when faced with pain. We can either curl up into a little ball and hide and fold, or we can shift, change, and flourish. We often use the phrase, pushed by pain until pulled by a vision, but the truth is we already have the vision. You and I were born with a vision, a unique way of being, which is why we experience pain when the vision seems stifled or blocked. 
Jordan and Disney knew they had gifts to share, they just didn't know how to share it. We know that we have love to share, which is why we feel pain when that's thwarted in relationships. We know we have lives to live fully, which is why we feel pain when our body doesn't support us in living and expressing as fully as we'd like to. A vision isn't something we have to go out and find. A vision is something we have to go in and discover. And then we have to find ways to live it. We have to find ways to live into it. See, pain occurs when a method for living, a method for living, for living in that vision is dies or is thwarted. But if we realize it's only one avenue of the vision expressing, not the vision itself. If we can detach from, it has to be my way. It has to be this way, and this is the only way. If we can detach from that and instead ask, how can I let this vision unfold? We have a whole different experience. Now, I'd like to share an experience that, that we had uh, about a year and a half ago where we were talking, we, we were, uh, the, the building here was being remodeled, prepared, ready to uh, be made into a, a center. And uh, Kathy Gillum here was in charge of uh, you know, making sure the colors looked good. Kathy is a retired interior designer. And her first thing that she did was say, I know how to do this. I'm going to do this my way. And then she had a second thought. A higher thought came, which was, I'm going to let go of it having to be my way and invite a group of people, open it up to a committee to co-create the vision of what this is going to look like internally together. And it flowed easily and effortlessly. There was no disagreement among the community. <laughs> we had people who wanted us to have pews because pews are the only way that we know we have a sacred space, right? The, the, the committee was asked to determine the color of the chair cushions. The council had already decided what chairs we were going to buy, the color of the chair cushions, and they got into a whole multi-week-long discussion of what chairs or pews or whatever to bring. We had a, a, a suggestion to bring in these beautiful chairs made in Italy, $450 a chair. The ones you're sitting on cost about $67, by the way, plus the shipping from Italy. We had another person who wanted to paint the sanctuary the same color as his Miata, bright red with a gold stripe running right down the middle. I'm not going to name any names. For those who are new, that's me. What happened was we all had to let go of the attachment of our way and allow a collective vision to come forward. One of the beautiful things that Kathy did at the start of all that was she asked us in our imagination to walk into the space and see what did we want to feel. That was the capturing of the vision. What did we want to feel? And out of this, and she's, she's said this several times, came, and I haven't told her that I'm going to talk about this today, so I, I'm hoping she's not going to throw anything. I, I think she's good with it. <laughs> But out of this came what she said was a different design than she would have come up with, and yet one that was beautiful and worked. And it was a collective vision because there was more people than just one involved in it. That's letting the vision come through and not being attached to the method, to the process. When we take time to listen deeply, to look underneath the surface of things, to find what's under this particular relationship, what's under this particular job, what is the meaning that it holds for me, what's under this particular way of doing things for my body to work, 
we start to glimpse the real vision. The real vision of our heart, the real vision of our soul that wants to emerge. When we stop asking disempowering, pain-based questions such as, why is this happening to me again? Or, why are they doing it to me again? And instead, start asking more empowering questions, such as, what is the vision that's seeking to express through me? What are other ways that I can express this vision? Who must I become and what must I let go of being or doing? How am I being called to change to allow this larger vision to express? What can I learn from this painful experience instead of just going, oh God, it's another painful experience? Every person who flourished stuck with their vision, which can best be summed up as doing what they loved, doing what their heart and their soul called them to do. And learning from their failures, learning from the ways that didn't work, and finding or creating new ways that did work to express. And whether we're talking about a personal vision or creating a world that works for all, which is the collective vision of the Centers for Spiritual Living, we are most often motivated by first what doesn't work, which is the pain, to create something that does work, the vision. I remember while being in ministerial students, several students said that they were learning from their ministers at their local churches as much about how not to be a minister as how to be a minister. We have a ministerial student in our own church that has said the same thing about her minister. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) In my early, yeah, in my early days as ministry, I I had... um, a lot of criticism from my ex-wife and her family that I wasn't good enough to be a minister. And then even the dean of my school told another student that I was one of her three biggest mistakes to graduate from ministerial school. Okay? I use that not as, oh my God, I'm a failure, as motivation. I'm going to effing prove you wrong. Because my first ministry, the first church I was at, was a bit of a challenge to be at in in a lot of different ways. But it was enough to keep me going and to keep me motivated. These days I don't worry about that. I'm happy doing what I love. I know I'm in my right place and the, the vision is going. Yeah. But we can take what happens, we can take the adversity and use it to either fold or to be a motivator to say, no, I'm going to do something better. I'm going to do something different. Michael Jordan accepted being demoted to the JV squad instead of switching sports, which oftentimes an athlete would do. He was very good at baseball at the same time. But he decided to stick with basketball, and he would come in uh, before school in the morning and go to the gym and start practicing uh, baskets, shooting baskets, and you know, finally worked himself up. And by the next year, he was invited back to the varsity team to be on the varsity team. And in his first game, he scored 35 points. And as they say, the rest is history. So he worked extra hard to do that. Obviously, Walt Disney found a way. We have a quarterback in in the Seattle Seahawks, I remember a couple of years ago, who had spent 
most of his career being a backup quarterback, kind of sitting behind other people who are better known. And finally, at the age of 30, what, one or two, something like that, which is late in the life of a football player, got the chance to be a starting quarterback. And he had this lovely phrase. He said, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. <laughs> Dr. Uh, Taran Marie Stasko calls productive perseverance the second of her five practices of highly resistant people, highly resilient people. (laughs) Productive perseverance. And this takes listening within for guidance of when to persevere and when to pivot or change. Not abandoning the core vision, but changing how you're looking to make that happen. So there's a profound dance between pain and vision. The vision can bring about the pain of discovering that my way doesn't work, my way of doing it. I can hear Frank Sinatra in the background, I did it my way. It may not be the best way. It may not be the best way for the vision to manifest. There may be something higher being called if I can let go of my way. The real pain comes when we cling desperately to that my way but we discover that by letting go, the vision we really want comes into being. In the long run, the vision itself both pushes and pulls. And we have the choice to listen to the vision or listen to my way. Which will you listen to? And will you flourish or will you fold? So this week, one spiritual practice. Ask yourself, what is an area of pain or divine discomfort? You know, something that wants to emerge and you're scared or stuck. What is it that is trying to emerge? What is the underlying vision that is trying to emerge in this point of my life, at this space of my life? And am I willing to let go of what I believe about the way it's supposed to manifest and open to being shown new ways? Am I willing to flourish where I may have folded? Will you take on that spiritual practice this week? Asking what is the vision that wants to uh, unfold, uh, manifest, express through me, and let go of it having to be the way, the method that I think it does. I'm going to close with a quote from a gentleman named Billy Cox who said, Life will only change when you become more committed to your dreams than you are to your comfort zone. Life will only change when you are more committed to your dreams than you are to your comfort zone. My way is my comfort zone. Letting go and having, I remember I I used to work with a a teacher who who in in her organization said, highest idea wins. It didn't matter who it came from. Highest idea wins. Can we live like that? So we have an affirmation. Say this with me. My potential is bigger than my problem. Once again, my potential is with say it with me. My my let's do that. Let's do this. Let's find a different way. My potential is bigger than my problem. Another way of saying this is my God is bigger than my problem. My vision is bigger than my problem. My whatever I'm called to. 
And I invite you to, to be with that this week. So let's take a moment. I'm going to move into prayer. There is one presence. There is one presence. It is infinite. It is bigger than all the stuff. Greater than all the stuff. It is the infinite intelligence, the infinite love of the universe. The infinite life expression of the universe. That presence is everywhere present. It is all that there is. There is nothing outside of it. There is no this and then something else. It is just this one infinite presence. And because of that, you and I are one of that right here, right now. We have to be because there's nowhere else to be but inside, within this infinite presence. And so we are that infinite presence individually expressing as ourselves. We are its nature individualized. So we are individual expressions of infinite intelligence, infinite love, infinite good, infinite life energy. We are that. Whether we remember it or forget it, whether we know it or don't know it, we still are that. So I speak my word that this week and beyond, that we remember first that truth of ourselves, that we listen to and hear and capture and are aware of the vision, the highest vision that is pulling us forward in our lives. It's that thing that we may have been told don't bother, you can't make it happen. You're just dreaming. That's too big. I invite us to let whatever pain or whatever constriction we've experienced about that in the past to be the motivator to move us forward. To say, I'm not going to write back to all those people who are saying it can't be done, including the people who live within me. Instead, I'm going to say, I let this vision fly and shine and grow. I let it rise. It is natural for this vision to rise. All I have to do is get my bloated nothingness out of the way of that rising. And so in gratitude for knowing that this is the truth, this is just the nature of nature. This is the nature of life. This is the nature of the divine presence. And that all that is happening is calling us into a greater awareness, a greater alignment with that essence that we already are. In gratitude for knowing that and in absolute faith that stepping into a greater flexibility, a greater openness to that vision results in something far more wonderful and far newer than we ever thought before. And in that gratitude and in that faith, I speak this word into a law. I plant it like a seed into a soil, knowing that that is all that is necessary for the growth. I nurture it. I love it. I let it be. It grows and blooms in my life in ever more wonderful ways. So it does. And so it is. Thank you.